This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know what? I think we resemble that remark. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's the remark? Good question, Darren Urban, Felipe Corral Jr., your truly Pauly podcast. When you say that 31-5, that final score, has never happened before in the history of the NFL, and isn't that the stat, gentlemen, a singular final score of 31-5? Is that correct? That is correct. It has never happened in the regular season of the NFL ever before. Okay, I'm just saying that we sort of resemble that remark a little bit. You know, um... A singular podcast, Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You know, I mean, we kind of get off to a funky start, mainly my fault, every single week, sort of like the Cardinals in the first quarter. Hopefully we finish strong. Maybe there's a stretch in the middle where we go for 31 unanswered. So ideally, maybe it's not the way we draw it up. But you know what? We'll take it. You're we'll- not feeling disconnected, are you, Paul? <laughs> a little funky, perhaps. <laughs> the uh, the head coach with the play calling when he came back and he met his star tight end in person in his office on game day morning, uh, as we found out later. So uh, here we are, ready to podcast. Once again, it might be a rocky first quarter, but we'll make in-podcast adjustments. It's a short week, Paul, so really, <laughs> right. I mean uh- – Half speed? You're going to go half speed on the podcast. I'm not going to go saying? half speed, but I'm just going to tell you right now. Get out of bed this morning. We got was late last night writing my stories. I'm expected to come in early and do a podcast when I really my body hasn't had a chance to really, you know, get back into regular a regular week rhythm where we would normally be podcasting later in the week. So now I got to come in here and do it. I mean. Darren, I'm sore. Darren, so, Felipe, do we not have about 20 guys in the practice squad ready to take Darren's spot if he doesn't want to, you know, it's the rigors of the NFL. Darren, what, where are you sore from after a Sunday game, you know, going into Monday? Like what it, What really, you know, you wake all, up on Monday and something's aching. Uh, first of all, the thumbs, I've had a problem with the thumb for a while. I hope, it, uh. I hope it's nothing bad. Now all of a sudden I've noticed the last two weeks of writing – my right arm isn't feeling all that great after I'm done. And now I'm being real serious about this right now. I'm like, okay, like, do I have some kind of heart problem or something? Like, when I'm leaving these? First of all, the thumb, I'll diagnose it right here. The, the th- you don't have to go to WebMD. The thumb is from video games. Too much yeah, gaming, obviously. Too much Madden, of Honestly, I think I sprained it the last time I played pickup basketball, which is so many weeks ago, it's frightening that it's still bothering me. And, and the shoulder, obviously, too many picks. You're setting the pick and roll in the uh, men's <laughs> league on Thursday night. You know, too many uh, pick and rolls you're setting with the shoulder. Possible. You know? <laughs> or maybe I'm just writing too much. Yeah. So then, so what's the recovery process like? How many days? By by well, Tuesdays, you know, I are had, you typically? I, I, uh, I went ahead and had the Epsom bath salts last night, uh, <laughs> salt bath, like uh, Marcus Golden was talking about. Uh, didn't Wasn't able to get the massage therapist over like Zach Ertz, but, you know, we make it work. You sound a little bit like, and I say this cautiously, 
Aaron Rodgers. Did you see Aaron Rodgers' gripe after the game? He said he was dealing with a stiff back, and then he woke up game day morning, and his back was, quote, killing me. And he blamed it on staying in a team hotel for a home game. He called it a, quote, antiquated protocol of the NFL that we're required to stay in a hotel even for a home game. So he said, I have this wonderful bed at home that I'm used to that gives me a great night's sleep, and we come to this hotel, and I wake up with a bad back that's, quote, killing me, and I have to go play a four-quarter game in the NFL. Why are we staying in a team hotel? Oh, thank you, NFL. And he went on this rant and ripped the NFL. I got to say that that is is about as uh, old QB as it gets. Like, that. that's so, like – why, why are we doing this? On the, well, because 95% of your teammates are young and they don't trust them to sit at home all night and watch a little Netflix. They think if they're sitting at home, they're not going to get done what they need to get done, and including getting sleep. So You know what the headline of the story should read? Get off my frozen tundra. Yeah, there you go. That's that's what it should read, you know, instead of the get off my lawn guy. Are they, like, the only team that does that? I've never heard of that. Uh, oh, would yeah. you like to answer home. that, Darren? Uh, yeah, everybody does. The, the Cardinals do it. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Teams do it now. I I don't know, I don't know how much it's changed over the years. If I mean, because I know in training camp it used to be a requirement that the players had to stay at the hotel, and over the last co- started because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But now it's gotten to the point where you can't make anybody but the rookie stay there. You can if you want, but these guys go home. But I fairly certain bef- the night before games they're still in a hotel. They they still have all those meetings. Like when you go to a road game. Uh, that's that's how the night is. You you get in uh, as a team at a road game, and you you usually have a little bit of free time up until, so guys can go to dinner if they want or whatever. But then you have meetings into the evening, and then there's a bed check, uh, and and they basically keep that same kind of rhythm for home games. Now, obviously, you if you're not traveling, you have all day Saturday on a regular Sunday game where you can go out and do stuff before you have to show up at the hotel mm. for the meetings, but then you're there. And, yeah, well, that's absolutely something that they – I don't know where they stay these days. Are they, I, I don't know if they go to the Renaissance. I know for a while there they were staying at that Marriott right off I-10 uh, near the airport. I thought it was the Arizona Grand. I oh, it might be a, now. I'm yeah. just – this This was years ago, okay. so I, I don't even remember. Obviously, I'm not staying in any hotel in a home game. Well, obviously, you don't have to worry about Darren Urban. There we were in Cleveland. It was Darren out partying on the town. So No, he was up there writing a story just in case Kyler Murray <laughs> – Came down that's, with COVID on game that's day. That's true. I, he was I did actually do that. He was writing stories, just in case stories. Just in case. In the event of now, if writing, I would have been smart, I would have said, "Well, yeah. what about Corey Peters? Right? Why wouldn't I get that ready? Sure. You didn't have one ready for every member on the fifty-three no, man roster. No, I did roster? not. Kyler Murray was the only guy because wow. that was the only guy that I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay, slacking. I know. Um, so here we go. It's the seven and zero Cardinals against the six and one Packers, and Felipe, you're saying to yourself, "Is that the best combined win percentage for a Thursday night game in October or later in the Super Bowl era, dating back to 1966?" And you would be right, Felipe. It is the best combined win percentage for a Thursday night game at this point in a season ever. How about that? I hate it when he says that too. You know, he does it all the time. He has these thought the bubbles building. that people can't see. You can just read them. I just think to myself, you know, yeah. it's like Sunday night, and I'm already thinking about Thursday, and I come up with the stat and. I mean, Aaron Rodgers versus Kyler Murray. What more do you want? You know. Well, you you would have wanted Devonte Adams, but yeah. apparently not. Yeah. I'm trying to okay. stay. I'm trying to stay positive because I know a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, well, you're going to play a Packers team without Devonte Adams." I'm foreshadowing. What's that movie we referenced last? last Minority Report. Yeah, I'm Minority Reporting. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thursday night or whatever you want to call it, but more or less. Well, I, I tried to help out the head coach Cliff Kingsbury. I tried. I, I really did. Uh, we just uh, did his. Uh, what game makes you plan. think you didn't? Well, hopefully, maybe he picked up on this. I didn't really say it. It was just sort of subliminal. I passed this along. I'm thinking, if I'm the head coach, <laughs> you all know. <laughs> That'll never happen. But if I was the head coach of this team, I would throw a graphic up on the screen Wednesday night before the game, and it would be straight off this guy's Twitter account that I ripped <laughs> off, a Packers beat writer who tweeted the following, and I quote, Aaron Rodgers. Wait, wait, wait. just to, to clarify, can we say who it is? Because I think it's one of my friends. Is it really? Uh, Rob well, Domoski? Oh, it it, name it is not, actually. Oh, it no. is uh, this gentleman here. Oh, I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I know, like – I have, I have like, three close Packer friend yeah. beat writers, and you're not yeah. quoting any of them. Well, so, okay. I don't know how to pronounce his name, or else I would. Is that uh, Dere? You, you can go Dere. to D- at Paul Calvisi, okay, and you can see you it for yourself because I retweeted with a comment. Here Anyways. we go. Here's the stat. Aaron Rodgers in his last six games without Devontae Adams. Got it. Okay? Care to take a guess what his win-loss record is? Last six games minus Devontae Adams. 6-0. and oh. He's 6-0, and oh, Felipe. Thank you. Uh, would wow. You, would okay. You, uh, let me continue. He has 17 touchdowns and one pick in those six games minus Devontae Adams. And, I mean, his passer rating is over 125. So I would throw that up on the screen in case anybody is thinking that, guess what, it just got a lot easier to beat Aaron Rodgers minus Devontae Adams. Think again because here's the win-loss record. I feel like that's a little bit after the last two weeks. It's, mm-hmm. it's like all these people saying, what, what did the Cardinals defense do after they lost Chandler Jones? Got better. They're now number one in scoring D in the NFL. Is that what you're saying? Well, again, I don't know if if Aaron Rodgers was playing any defenses that were similar to the Texans' offense that the <laughs> D- Cardinals' defense, as yeah. well as they've been playing, got to fatten up against. Right. Well, I mean, you know, as long as we're taking shots here, subliminally or otherwise, shots, did you shots, happen to shots. see that the Washington Football Club outgained Green Bay 430-304 to 304 that – Washington, who was dreadful in the red zone, got inside Green Bay's 35 times. Felipe, how many times do you think they got any points in those five trips inside Green Bay's 30? I want to say none. Zero. You are correct. Uh, so there you go. If Tyler Heineke, Heineke knew how to get into the end zone without diving, which when he had no reason to, they would have scored a touchdown. You're right about that. By the way, he was their leading rusher. He had 95 yards and like 10 carries. Here's, here's the no comprendo stat to me is that until that game, where Washington went over in the red zone, essentially, red zone plus out to the 30. Packers opponents had scored touchdowns every time they reached the red zone through six games. Let that hang in the air for a minute. How is that possible? How, how is that uh, comprehensible? That and, and Devondre Campbell, the former Cardinal, had commented on it after the game. They said, well, you were much better in red zone. He's like, yeah, we couldn't get any worse. Every <laughs> single opponent had scored a touchdown every single time they got in our red zone. It, it is going to be fascinating. And, you know, we mentioned Devontae Adams is probably going to be out because of COVID. Well, so is their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, which, oh. you know, well, I, judging by what you were just talking about, I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing. But, you know. Addition I, by subtraction. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, again, guys, I mean, we, we talk about a coach not being there. We just went to Cleveland and, and got firsthand knowledge of what a team can accomplish without things. Yeah. So when you when you say Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers is 6-0 and without Devontae Adams, I guess I'm not that surprised. Or if the Browns played the Steelers without their head coach last year in the playoffs and still won going away. You know, maybe, maybe there is something about all this addition by subtraction or whatever. I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, you still have one of the greatest – 
to ever do it in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you don't have Devontae Adams. I could be out there and I could probably get a touchdown reception from Aaron Rodgers. Probably that's, not. Uh, probably not. But that's how great Aaron Rodgers well, is. Well, I mean, let's face it, Paul. I mean, what? Th- there was a bunch of injuries in the t- 2015 divisional playoff game. I mean, what receivers yeah. were catching the, the right. two Hail Marys that mm-hmm. he chucked up? I mean, Jeff Janis was going to go to the Janus. Hall of Fame by the end of the game. <laughs> uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, he has the ability to turn just ordinary dudes into playmakers and game changers. Maybe you could catch a touchdown, Felipe. Uh, exactly, see? I'll be honest with you. Okay, thanks for asking this question that you really didn't ask. The, the, the best arm talent I've ever seen from the sideline in my 15-plus years for the Cardinals Aaron Rodgers would be top three. I would also throw Jay Cutler in there, believe it or not. Jay Cutler just had oh, arm talent? Arm oh, talent. no, I would absolutely just believe that. Just sheer arm talent. I don't when know about down his head talent, when you're down, arm when you're, talent. When you're down on the side and you're like, oh, my goodness, can this guy throw a ball? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers' 2009 playoff game, Aaron Rodgers' 2015 playoff game, the Jay Cutlers of the world, just the sheer velocity and and just the way it just easily comes off the hand and the way he throws it. Russell Wilson as a young guy had had a lot of that but I mean there are only a couple of guys where you shake your head and you're like wow that that is just NFL arm talent period and he's one Logan Thomas (laughs) I'll tell you Logan Thomas threw some fastballs Max Hall you didn't know where it was going Right, Max Hall most didn't know. Yeah. Well, Max was, Hall was doing the javelin to get something down forty yards down. And he field. beat Drew Brees and the Saints. Yeah, I know. At I was some there. point, I was there. So um, improbable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, when it's third and what was it, third and twenty-four, and Kyler Murray goes forty-one yards to AJ Green. Goodness gracious, what a throw! That's arm talent. Yes, uh, his ability to drop that thing in there, his ability to throw off balance, off schedule, what you, whatever you want to call it, off kilter, but. Just the arm angles, um, it is it – is, and you know what? We had a chance to do Cliff Kingsbury's TV show, and he mentioned again, and he mentioned the same thing to the media about Aaron Rodgers in the second phase of the play. So for all the Patrick Mahomes out there and all the Russell Wilsons and all the Kyler Murrays now, guess what? The guy who did it best first was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, maybe you can go back to Fran Tarkington, but that was just scrambling, you know, panic and chaos back in that day. The Fran guy, Tarkington, you know Fran Tarkington? No, I do Just not. checking. No, the, 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 <laughs> the, the guy. When, when did he play? Who, in a lot of ways, ushered in was the, a while ago. this modern era of quarterbacking. Yeah. Dare we say it's Aaron Rodgers in that when the play breaks down. I, I think it, that's fair. It, the play is not broken. The quarterback is still able to make a play, and Aaron Rodgers is that guy. There was no question in my mind for a while there I don't I mean he's still obviously way up there I mean we're talking about the reigning MVP for goodness Mm -hmm. sake but there was definitely a time uh, where I thought he was by far the best quarterback in the league even when they weren't winning Super Bowls it was after they won the Super Bowl actually you know that that stretch of 2011 2012 2013 2014 I mean I don't think there was anybody that was even in sniffing distance of him as the quarterback as good as Brady was in those days as good as Peyton Manning was at the end of his career for a couple of years with Denver. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers was by far the best. Obviously, he's come back to the pack, no pun intended, uh, a little bit. But um, you Does know. anybody else think that Aaron Rodgers, by the way, the way he looks now, you know, with the hair and the beard and he's lost some weight, that he bears any resemblance to Dave Grohl? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Every time I see Aaron Rodgers Dave now, Grohl, I go, Dave Grohl? 
Foo Fighters. Oh, Dave Grohl? I was about to ask you guys. Foo Fighters. I'm not even going to bring up Nirvana. Is that rock? Foo Fighters. I don't listen to rock. I mean, is that Foo Fighters? Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I would agree with that. But that's what happens when you start dating a movie star and, you know, you're kind of in that whole Hollywood kind of. Well, I shouldn't say that because he was he had already dated a movie star once upon a time. So this is just a different movie star. So wait a minute. What about the NASCAR driver in Scottsdale's own Danica Patrick? No, yeah, she was. She was. Was she? She was before Olivia Munn, wasn't she? Correct. Yes, correct. In between the actresses, I believe. I believe in the timeline. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Danica and then Olivia Munn? Yes. Correct. But, okay, you say, but, but you said there was another actress well, yeah, back in the right day. Right now. No, oh. no. Right now he's dating oh, oh, uh, the girl oh. from Fault of My Star, from My Stars or whatever. Okay. I'm, Try whatever. I'm really, see, this is a proud moment for me because you guys just went on like a two-minute rant about who Aaron Rodgers has been dating in the past and couple of years. I, I honestly uh, had no idea that he dated Olivia, Olivia Munn, is that her name? Shalene Woodley is his current girlfriend. Isn't it? Which, if you plug Aaron Rodgers into Google right now, right, it's the first thing that pops up. Is <laughs> wow, sh- she's probably yeah. more popular than him. Then at this point, maybe you should bring the ex-girlfriends to the front row at State Farm Stadium, <laughs> and maybe maybe that'll mentally mess <laughs> with them. During know? a field goal, maybe uh, like no, put them. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing else. Nothing else seems to phase Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> maybe you know, seat them next to each other, <laughs> and then put them up there in the kiss cam thing or whatever, and they can you know, boom, and you throw and them up on the jumbo truck. Yeah, all you the You put X's Aaron Rodgers in one heart and then you put all the yeah. X's in the other one. There's probably the an NFL rule, a game day operations <laughs> rule against that happening. So uh, save me from myself. Uh, we have Aaron Rodgers. We have Kyler Murray. Uh, who is the better quarterback these days, gentlemen? Who wants to weigh in on that? Oof. Oof. I, I I'll, mean, I'll let you go first. On statistically, that. I would say Kyler Murray by, I mean, obviously a hair. But just seeing everything that he's been doing, I mean, he's like, well, he's 7-0. and He's like the first quarterback since – Aaron Rodgers to start seven <laughs> seven and zero and you know be in this position. Aaron Rodgers did it in twenty eleven. How ironic, right? Thursday night football game. That's why that game's gonna be popping because you have kind of like the old versus the new type of thing. But you know, Kyler Murray, what he's been able to do out of the pocket, kind of resembles you know what Aaron Rodgers has been doing for the past. Well, like you were just saying, yeah, yeah. the past decade. So. He's a little bit more dynamic, though, wouldn't you guys say? Kyler Murray's a oh, little yeah. bit more dyma- dynamic. Look, you saw, you saw uh, yesterday. Didn't he have like a? He was like scrambling all over the place, and then he found he found uh, DeAndre D-Hop Hopkins the on the left. Pass. Things like that. I personally have never seen Aaron Rodgers do like being so athletic and dynamic outside and inside of the pocket. I personally have never well, seen uh, Aaron Rodgers do that. I, I mean, I. I know that uh, there was actually a play a few weeks ago where Aaron Rodgers, I, I I think I think it was Aaron Rodgers who got out of something that he had no business getting out mm-hmm. of, and I, he has done that o- over time. You know, it's not going to be the same way as Kyler. The 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 start stop of Kyler Murray within the pocket, like he did on that play to Hopkins, is ridiculous. And and one of the reasons I would right now put Kyler ahead of him. And it wouldn't even necessarily be the running ability because, let's face it, at this point, Kyler's not running for any yards. I mean, I don't think he's even gotten over 20 yards rushing in a game the last two or three weeks or whatever it is. Um, it's 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 the different facets that are – I mean, we talk about that one play where you were just saying, where he, he somehow should have been sacked like three times, found his way around. It was similar to that Rondale Moore play mm-hmm. against the Titans the first game. Gets Hopkins for 15 yards. That's amazing. The play that Paul mentioned earlier where he looks off the safety 
uh, in the cover two, gets the safety to bite over near uh, Christian Kirk near the end zone, and then drops it in the bucket to A.J. Green, who literally is just kind of like, the other thing about that play too, A.J. Green's like right on the sideline, I'm like, don't, I watch, I'm watching the replay, and I'm thinking to myself, don't step out, don't step out, don't step out, even though I know he didn't, but it's like you're so close, you're not looking down. How do you make sure you're not stepping out of bounds and rooting this thing? But that play was unbelievable. And even the touchdown pass to Hopkins, the little sidearm where the two safeties bit on Ertz, which was a great play design, but for Kyler to kind of like play action, put his eyes on Ertz so that they did bite over, and then all of a sudden, right to to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I just – he's playing at such a high level, and on top of it, to have him come come in to the – to the press conference afterwards, and I know he was beat up a little bit too. I'm sure that was part of it. But to be, I don't want to say grumpy, but mm-hmm. a little irritated, and not with us asking the questions. It's because he just threw three touchdown passes. He had one bad pick, okay. Still had a passer rating of 120, and he looks pissed off because he doesn't think they played well. And to that point, and I'll stop talking in a minute, but like Christian Kirk today, we're talking in a in a press conference, and he's like, he goes, we know on a, he was talking about the defense. He's like, we know on offense we didn't hold up our end of the bargain. And I asked him later, I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying, and I know you guys had a slow start, but you guys put up 31 points. You were three yards away from getting 400 yards, and that was the benchmark we kept talking about: 30 points, 400 yards. And you guys are all acting like you crapped the bed. I mean. It's well, really amazing. It's what J.J. Watt said last week. We're 6-0, and and we still haven't played our best game yet. I, I love how – I mean, they you, you can say it, but you then you got to live it, and I feel like they really are living that. After the game, just to build on that real quick, after the game I asked uh, Zach Ertz last question. I said, hey, um, what have you found out about your quarterback that you didn't know before you showed up? And he said, how competitive he is. That's what he – right away said, ah, yeah, <laughs> he's competitive in practice out in that game field. And so I think that's what Darren's getting at, that this is a guy right now who's striving for perfection. Did Zach Ertz not take the blame for the interception, by the way? They, they both, both did. did. They <laughs> both did. Yeah, yeah. Zach Ertz said, it's all my fault. And I brought it up to Kyler, and he, I said, I don't know if you heard about Zach. He go, and he cut me off, and he goes, yeah, he said it was his fault. He goes, it's all my fault. But, so but they if, both took them. But if you go okay. back and look at that play, one of the defensive linemen for the Texans actually tipped it. Well, we were talking about the interception, though. I don't oh, think the I thought, was, I thought, no, not the. Yeah. I think that one was, but they were talking about the blame for the interception, which was way mm-hmm. high. And I, 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 what I am guessing is that Zach Ertz wasn't quite in the right place, and because I, I, I was talking. So Kyler to, airmailed can, it by mm-hmm. just on purpose, just not on purpose, but no, not to kill the play. It, I the way I, I was talking to Kent Summers about this because that's what Kent was kind of like. That's weird because it's like. Even if he's in the wrong place, that was a high throw. But I can only imagine if you're a quarterback and you're feeling pressure and all this has to happen, bing, 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 and a guy has to be in the right place. And right as you're going to throw it, all of a sudden you realize the guy is not in the right place and you're getting a little bit of pressure up the middle because I do think he was throwing off his back foot. And all of a sudden that just makes you like flinch or whatever. Who knows what that does with a throw? Now, I'm not saying that that was a good play by Kyler Murray. I'm not saying that he has to figure it out. I don't know who's to blame. My guess is it's a little of both. But I do love the fact that they both were willing to say it's my fault. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that I think Kyler is much more patient 
mm-hmm. this year. Zach, I said, take us through the touchdown catch, the 47-yard catch and run to the end zone, the longest scoring catch of his career, which is incomprehensible, right? He does it in game one with the Arizona Cardinals. And he said, well, I didn't think it was going to happen at all because I got a terrible release. I couldn't get away from my guy. I couldn't get off the line of scrimmage and get it. But he said, as soon as I got into my route, I realized, oh, my goodness, I am wide open. And he attributed that to the Cardinals receiving talent out on the perimeter. But Kyler waited for him. Kyler could see it as well, that it was wide open. He knew where the tight end was going to be eventually. He waited, he waited, boom, he hit him, and then it got six. See, this is what impresses me about Kyler Murray the most. I mean, yes, he's dynamic. Yes, he can get out of plays where he should have been sacked, like he's done it all throughout these first seven weeks. But, you know, a lot of the question going into a lot of the questions going into into his third year in the NFL was his arm strength, his accuracy, and that's something that he's improved on this year. I mean, he's first in the NFL in completions of 30 yards. He's first in the NFL in completion percentage I mean you combine that with his ability to escape sacks to make throws out of the pocket to make throws inside of the pocket I mean he's improved in his intermediate game as well I mean those 10 to 19 yard passes I mean he's truly turned one of his biggest weaknesses heading into year three into what I think is one of his biggest strengths I mean when you look at Kyler Murray play his patience like you you talked about Paul in the pocket I think that's where he's done you know, his most damage. I, I would agree. And the, the first thing I thought of when I watched the Ertz play was exactly that, which is if you had to draw up a play before the season where you said, all right, we're going to put you in a scenario that you have not done very well in, what happens? That's it. That is a slower developing play where you've got to stay in the pocket to make it work, and it's over. The, it's in the middle of the field. Uh, and and he just it, it 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 all came together. The other point I want to make about that play was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said after the game, "Wish our pass protection would have been better." Was not on point earlier in the game. There was a couple guys that did not have their best games. Obviously, Josh Jones said something on Twitter uh, at one point, kind of saying, "I need to play better." He deleted it later, but he did say it at first. That said. I want to give props on that play in particular to the offensive line because one of the reasons, yeah, Kyler had to step up in the pocket a little bit, but he had a pocket, and he had a pocket long enough, as you said, so that Ertz, even on a bad release, he still had time to be there, and he wasn't under duress. And there were moments that the, the pocket was there and, and the blocking was there, and I just thought that in, 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 a, in a one play, I just thought it hit so many things that showed why this offense is different than it was maybe a year ago. But I'm confused. I thought Kyler wasn't able to it see happens. from. I thought he wasn't able to see from the pocket. I thought Kyler Murray wasn't able to throw from the pocket. I, I didn't think Kyler Murray would be able to work the <laughs> middle of the field because he can't get it over the six hey. foot six offensive lineman. I thought a fine fellow diminutive American wasn't able to play the position <laughs> if, with that sort of aplomb. If we want to talk about the benefits of a shorter quarterback. Let's talk about the penalty against the Texans. Yeah. That should have been a sack. And by the letter of the law, it was a penalty. But I understand all the people. And uh, NFL reporter Twitter, and I'm talking about like ESPN personalities and people that are on Twitter, ex-players and stuff, were all over this. And I can't disagree. The reason Kyler got hit in the head on that is because the guy was bearing down at the last second – Kyler tried to do the, I'm going to hit my ass on the ground right away. And as he dropped, the guy was going to go hit probably his shoulders, and he's so short, there's his head. And you, you can't do anything about it. And it's like pitching to 
you know, Paul Calvisi oh, up no. at the plate. Wow. <laughs> like Whoa. You, you don't you don't have a lot of strike zone there, you know, and and I feel bad. You can't go low on a quarterback. That's it. I'm not going to take you can't the. Go high. I'm not going to sit here and take the Eddie Goodell comparison. <laughs> I did not Go, say Eddie that Goodell. One up. I mean, that's just. Uh, I would you know. never say Eddie Goodell. Let me say something though. Real do you quick. know Eddie Goodell? Uh, all the, all I the, knew he didn't know Eddie all, Goodell. All, all, <laughs> all the haters on Twitter. Guess what? He got tackled by the helmet for the safety, and they didn't call that one. That mm-hmm. was scary. It was scary. That was, and there was no flag on that one. No, that was a face mask, right? Well, like, they didn't face mask him, but he absolutely yeah. got drilled. He got tackled by the helmet, did. and it looked so. like the guy grabbed underneath it. Like it wasn't the mask. It was like, I, yeah. I'm, I was shocked. There was nothing. So, so if we can summarize everything, we can agree that this year through seven weeks, Kyler Murray has been the better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Right? Is that the consensus? Or well, you know what? I'll say this. I, I, I'll play your little reindeer game over there, Felipe. I'll do that. But I, I'll do it based on the week one result. Just because the Cardinals are 7-0 and and the Green Bay Packers face-planted, got absolutely jack-stomped in week one against New Orleans, 38-3. to So based on that, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers went into the whole relax, that whole thing again, because they've won six in a row since. But just based on that, okay, I'll give this slight edge to Kyla Murray. But you guys got to understand – uh, Aaron Rodgers and I share one thing and one thing only in common. Oh, my God. And that's the alma mater. Oh, and I'm Jesus. just going to tell, I'm just going to say, for decades we stunk before Aaron Rodgers showed up, and we've stunk ever since, and he almost got us to a Rose Bowl. Almost got us to a Rose Bowl. But only Aaron Rodgers can do something like that. The There's heart- a degree of difficulty there in getting uh, the alma mater anywhere and beating Pete Carroll and USC at the height of their dominance, by the way. Coach Double Rainbow, how's that taste 15 years later? Paul Calvisi, the heart wants what the heart anyway. wants, and you just can't get away from those golden bears. By the way, do you see the quote, speaking of Kyla Murray, as I reel this back in, my own self, uh, the Houston defensive lineman saying after the game, quote, it's like chasing a rabbit. That dude's change of direction is crazy, and he can still throw a dot, like playing a video game. That was Jonathan Greenard, and he yeah. actually had a pretty good game. Yeah, that he defensive did. He end. actually he had a pretty, did. Pretty good game. He had a pretty nice The side. other one was, so you mentioned the throw to hop. Was it for 15 yards yes. where, where Kyler – Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, avoided throw. like three yeah. different sacks. Yep. I'd love to know what Hop said to the Texans' sideline because he made that catch. He stepped out of bounds, and then he was vocal. He was yapping to the Texans' sideline. He didn't say better catch – by eye? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Everyone fill in the thought bubble. My inclination <laughs> at the time was, you know what he's saying? He's saying, how do you like my quarterback? <laughs> how do you like my quarterback? Because you all saddled me with a dozen different quarterbacks while I was here. And, and, and other than Deshaun, it was a lot of nothing. So uh, guess what? You guys can have whatever you have in the quarterback position. That's my guy, number one. I think that's probably a fair uh, assessment. I would have said something along the lines of, like, y'all didn't want to pay me? You know, isn't that mainly why he left? Like, they didn't want to give him that contract. Yeah, it was true. It was mostly why he left. Although after that play, it's it's kind of hard not to give all the credit there to 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 Kyler Murray. I mean, but he tops it off with the touchdown. And, I mean, he led the team in receptions, not necessarily receiving yards, but. Although old school Bill O'Brien, uh, the Cardinals' 2020 team MVP, uh, he apparently was not on board with the practice habits of DeAndre. Hopkins. Also true. So that that, that there was, was there was other things. Yeah. I mean, there was there was definitely an yeah. issue between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins that yeah. went beyond the contract. But okay, Kyler's status. He ended up in the injury report. Yes. Uh, please update us. Please update us. Well, he he did. First of all, on a short week, these guys don't really practice mm-hmm. practice, so that that is that is part of it. Um, 
but but he did end up on on the injury report with a a, a right finger injury. Uh, Wait a minute, he is right-handed. I just confirmed. Uh, yes, okay. that is. Uh, so, but he pr- he would have quote unquote practice full as the week opened. Uh, again, I don't, he's not going to get tested in practice at all this week because they're they're not going to hardly do anything all week uh, because of just relaxing, you know, making sure their bodies are ready to go. So, but hey, he ended up in the tent twice. It, so it, it, the the question was asked after the game, right? Both Kyler and his head coach. Uh, and so, and the part of the problem for me is is like, especially now that they said finger, is like, I didn't think he got hurt his finger on the first trip to the tent. And we saw enough throws where I didn't think anything of it. The second trip to the tent, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't know how many throws I saw him make after that. So then you kind of. But if there's someone, I, I don't want I don't want Carson Palmer, Philadelphia, 2015 again. But if there's someone no, that likes it, pl- no. wait, what happened? That's when he. That's when he messed up his finger, and th- it was the yeah. same day Tyron Matthew blew out his knee yeah. in that big win in Philadelphia, and it, and yeah. it basically derailed what the chances they had to win. I think that was a potentially Super Bowl winning team. And once you lost the heart of your defense and the quarterback's finger got jacked up. Was it a Russell Wilson type of injury? No, he played through it. He He missed like one snap, but he wasn't quite the same after that. And he never led on to the severity of the injury. No, he never would. Carson would never do that. But, yeah, it was the early fourth quarter he went to the tent for the second time, and at that point it was 24-5, to and then they ran the ball a lot, and James Conner had the 18-yard yeah. touchdown run to make it 31-5. to So I'd be shocked if Kyler didn't play. He did go back. I mean, he finished the game. Cole McCoy got Kyler's the last gonna series. Kyler's going to play. Let's, so, let's, let's, I mean, Kyler's you know, going to play. Come on. Um, here, here's the question. Um, what we saw in that first quarter, is that something they need to fix? What we saw in that first quarter where I think the first nine plays netted him 15 yards or some stat like that, you know, what was the adjustment they made? Was it more about what the Cardinals did or what the Texans are not capable of doing? Uh, you know, you just wonder, okay, does that portend anything that needs to be corrected on a short week? I mean, I would say no. I mean, they went back to what was working, which to me was running the ball. I mean, Chase Edmonds and James Conner had relatively good games. You saw Chase Edmonds end with, what, 81 y- rushing yards yeah. on the day, and then James Conner with the 80, the 18-yard touchdown. Yeah. And he had like a 17-yard run, too, in that second quarter when they started yeah. finding the rhythm. And to you know, to credit Zach Ertz, he did come up with like a, a crucial block for James Conner in the second quarter on that 17-yard run. But they went back to what was working, which was running the ball. It was funny because I was on the Spanish broadcast and Tim Delaney was sitting right behind us. And during one of the timeouts, he comes up to Rolando. Tim Delaney comes up to Rolando and he basically tells him like, "What? what's going on? Why aren't they running the ball? And then shortly after... You know, ironically, they started running the ball and they got into rhythm and they started protecting Kyler a little bit more. Obviously, in that first half, wasn't necessarily the best pass protection half in the NFL in the 2021 season. But they went back to what was working. And I think once they got into a groove offensively running the ball, that's when everything else opened up. That's when you saw, you know, the touchdown to Hop, the touchdown to, to Kirk and so forth. So uh, it just I, went back to that. I, I, I think – I mean, I think the running absolutely helped. I, I think, look, they're a good team, a very good team. But even good teams, they're not – they can't afford – I mean, let's face it, that first quarter, what what happened here? We, we had uh, penalties mm-hmm. again that they had been able to sidestep for the most part. They had a couple of penalties that put them in bad situations. They did not block well. 
whether they were running or not, they 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 gave up way too too much pass rush pressure early. Uh, and there was a couple of errant snaps that I think played with it. I mean, and, and it had an impact. And you add in that with, okay, maybe maybe you run the ball a little bit more and, and, and it just didn't work. Maybe they were trying to look for DeAndre Hopkins early a little bit. I, I don't know what it was. I, I do think they needed a little bit of time. But I, it's funny, the, the idea that, again, they could have – Really, and I think they'd all agree with this. They could have a trash first quarter, which is essentially what it was, mm-hmm. and still almost have 400 yards and still score 31 points. I mean, I, I I'd have to go back and look. How many yards do they have after the first quarter? I think it's possible they were close to no official yards. So total net yards first quarter 13. 13. I'm looking at it right now. They had 13 yards in a quarter and they still almost had 400. There was a single rushing attempt by a Cardinals running back in the first quarter. One rushing attempt by James Conner and it got him 14 yards. Yeah. 14 yard run in the first quarter. Otherwise Kyler was credited with two runs for negative two yards but by halftime the Cardinals had run the ball uh, by halftime as I get to the right page and buy <laughs> myself some time. By halftime he That's said 15 rushing attempts for 73 yards, a tick under five yards a carry. By the time they were done with the game, 37 rushing attempts for 172 yards. So, see, America's going to get a bit of a lesson when they watch Thursday night football. They're going to learn a couple of things. What the Cardinals are running is not the air raid. Everybody now, they're not running the air raid. They just ran for 172 yards. Yes, they got a big lead, and then they started with the ground game. I get it. But they've also run for over 200 yards twice this season. Guess what? In not even three seasons under Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals have run for 200-plus yards in a game six times. Do you realize that in the 15 years prior to Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals had run for 200-plus yards six times? So it's not the air rate. Here's the other thing America is going to learn about the Arizona Cardinals. Who has the number one scoring defense in the NFL? The Arizona Cardinals. They do play defense. And as we talked about last week in Cardinals Underground, if you want to take the powers in the NFC, and we will, whether it's the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Rams, and I always forget the other one who also am I forgetting here. Packers. The Packers. Thank you. They're coming to town. Yeah, you might, you might want to pay attention to that. <laughs> Line up those teams. Every one of them has an elite offense. And you can pick which one you like the best, different flavors, great. But there is one defense that has separated itself as yeah. a complete defense, and it resides in Arizona. It just does. All three levels of the defense is stout, unlike the other four powers in the NFL. So I think it's going to be a bit of an education. We'll see if the Cardinals live up to it on Thursday night. But I will say this. Isaiah Simmons cut me off when my last question during our interview, well, second to last question, I'll get to the last question. The second to last <laughs> question was about what's next and Thursday night football and measuring yourself against Green Bay. And then I went to kind of, I should have cut the question right there, but I didn't. I kept continuing. It's sort of like I'm doing right now. And Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> Isaiah Simmons cut me off and he said, we're juiced. And he said it again, we're juiced. And so I think these guys – Started looking forward to Thursday night and primetime and the Packers and all the eyes immediately when that clock hit double zero against the Houston Texans. I don't think there's any question that they're going to be paying attention to this. I, I will say this. You, you mentioned that they're number one in points a lot. I think they're number one in yards. I think they're officially the number one defense in the league now. Um, I'd have to double check that. But they're number one in third down defense percentage, completion percentage, or conversion percentage, yeah. and fourth down defense as well. I mean, it is – this defense has been excellent. And and they've missed Chandler Jones for two weeks. 
which is amazing. And now they get him back. They get Zach Allen back. They're healthy-ish. I mean, I, I just it is it is mind blowing to me how well this defense has played. They've all played at a high level. Vance Joseph is absolutely look. I'm not going to lie, and and this is nothing against Vance Joseph, but there were a couple writers that decided to do the in training camp. What if Vance Joseph, you know, is a head coaching candidate after the year? And I'm thinking, pump the brakes. I mean, those those guys come from teams that do really, really well in a season. And I thought this team had a chance to be in the playoffs, but I didn't expect this per se. Mm-hmm. And they were right. I mean, Vance Joseph absolutely deserves some consideration to be a head coach again. He has been great with what he's got. He's dialed up all the right things. Uh, there's a confidence in this defense and in what Vance is doing, and you can just tell when you talk to him, when you watch them play, uh, confidence is a lot of it, and they believe they are a really good team right now and a really good defense, and I am fascinated to see what it, what it's going to mean on Thursday night. I, I just want to say I'm going to reach a little bit. Because Not you. No, I'm going to reach because I'm going to say as great as his offense has been, as great as Kyler Murray has been leading in, you know, multiple categories offensively, I think this team is going to go as far as the defense goes. I think this def- this team has been as good as they have been through seven weeks because of the defense. I mean, they're third in the NFL in takeaways. I mean, you're not allowing people to score on you in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter. I mean, They've what, allowed one touchdown in the fourth quarter yep. through seven weeks, and that, that was that Robert Woods touchdown garbage against touchdown. the Rams, garbage time. Yep. I mean, that's when the games are decided. The games aren't necessarily decided in the first half, as we saw in week seven against the Texans. I mean, not scoring in the first quarter, you still put up 31 points. But when you, when you can hold your opponent from scoring in the second half, I think they've opponents have only scored on, like, what, four of 35 possessions in the second half. I mean, four touchdowns, two field goals. That's impressive. That, to me, is a championship team because when you get into the postseason, what do a lot of people say? I mean, defenses win championships. So you can complement that by having one of the top scoring offenses in the NFL. I mean, that's the recipe for success. You see a lot of these top offenses, top team contenders, I would want to say, in the NFL. A lot of people talking about the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Rams, and all that. But what don't they have? A well, great defense. Look at the Super Bowl last year. Everyone talks about TB12, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. But how many touchdowns did Patrick Mahomes score mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl? Zero. Three field goals. They got nine points on the board. That Todd Bowles defense, and that's my segue, who was the last Cardinals defensive coordinator to get a head coaching gig. Yeah. Todd Bowles. And what was his calling card? Halftime adjustments. Remember how many times we'd say, wow. Look at the adjustments, and the players would rave about it. That's back in the days of the open locker room. You could talk to guys, have a real conversation, and they would tell you, man, first off, uh, he was irate. He broke the whiteboard. Uh, second of all, he got his message across, and he, and he made the adjustments. And in the second half, we balled, and uh, he, he called all the right plays. He made all the right adjustments. And Todd Bowles, rightfully so, uh, went to a Jets team that – Continues to struggle. Had nothing to do with Bowles. Here's another guy who might get a head coaching gig at the end of this year. We'll see. But it's very similar in that regard to me, him and Vance Joseph, in that uh, you're near the top in virtually every category. And your calling card, your signature is the fact in the second half, guess what? You're you're just a shutdown defense. And so right now that separates, and I think we all agree on that. Maybe the one thing we'll agree on all month is that, uh, yes, the Cardinals defense does separate them from – 
the rest of the NFC at least. I think we'd agree you on know. Marcus Golden's playing really well right now. Oh, boy. Uh, when you come out of a pile of humanity, <laughs> you're missing your helmet, but you have the football. I mean, does that not say it all right there? Well, I mean, that's that's about as typical Marcus Golden as you get, doesn't it? <laughs> I just, you know, uh, if, if we should do – if only he would have been mic'd up because how great would it have been to actually hear, hear – Oh, the humanity of it all at the bottom of that pile. That that would have been good stuff. Would have been rated R for rough. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that, that would have been good stuff to see him uh, mic'd up on that. But, you know, to see him come to the sideline, and then he, he's so worked up he can't sit down. He tried to sit down. He couldn't sit down. He gets up. He goes to the Red Sea, starts imploring him. You know, he's like, oh, come on, everyone get up. Everyone gets fired up. And then he sit, goes on the bike. He's got to ride the bike. He's got all this energy. He just had to burn it off. And he just he's yelling to know it. He was yelling at, like, some of the assistant equipment guys, like interns, like, I'm hunting. I'm always hunting. Keep hunting. And these kids are like. Marcus Golden is back. Yeah. These, like, these night years are, oh, geez, Mr. Golden, what would you say? You know, and it was just it was hilarious. Wait, who who are you imitating right there? That last nineteen-year-old intern. He's like, oh, geez, <laughs> I did not know that. Like That's how nineteen-year-old interns just, sound I mean, like. He was just nineteen. He was totally intimidated. <laughs> he was intimidated. I mean, he was like, oh, I mean, what yes, am I doing down it's here? possible. Paul's <laughs> imitation of a nineteen-year-old intern also sounds like the thirty-eight-year-old sports writer that is asking a question in a press conference. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, who has the zero-on-one mentality this week? <laughs> Okay, that was... <laughs> we're not naming names because no, we not. love them. We love them, but yeah. that was an all-timer. That was hilarious. And as someone who's asked his share of uh, malaprop questions, put it that way, and as someone who got aired out by the head coach uh, three weeks ago, where were we? I asked a dumb question, and he gave me a really snarky answer <laughs> oh, that I dear. deserved. Oh, uh, dear. And so, uh, anyway, I've been there and done that, believe me, on live radio. At least you were only in a collection of about a dozen media members, whoever was on the Zoom call, but yeah, this <laughs> Ask Jordan Hicks about the 0-1 mentality every week. That was yes. beautiful. Yes, and Jordan politely, with a slight, slight chuckle, did say, well, yeah. it's a 1-0 and mentality. Yes. We're never going yes. in with the 0-1 right. mentality. Right, so there you go. That's fair. Now, if you want to accuse me of having an 0-1 mentality uh, <laughs> in my life, I, there's yeah, I'll speak that into existence. Uh, so, by the way, the last time, just to rub it in on Packer fans, I just throw, as long as we're throwing out random factoids, you realize the last time the Arizona Cardinals played the Green Bay Packers, they got Mike McCarthy fired, and he was fired before the team bus even arrived at the airport in Wisconsin. Yeah, so, I that. Uh, it was a cold day. It the was Josh a cold Rosen day. Game, right? this, the yeah. Josh Rosen game. Third and 17. It Josh was, Rosen's and Larry, one. And Larry bailed him out in that Larry third down. It was unbelievable like catch. Third and 17, and 19, Zane whatever Gonzalez it was. makes a field goal yes. in the snow. Oh, my goodness. Man. I can understand why you'd fire a coach after that. With all <laughs> due respect to the Cardinals, that was not a good Cardinals team. Yeah, that, w- that was telling. When you lost to that team, uh, you needed to make change, and they I, did. I feel bad for you, Paul, because that game uh, we were still doing, because it was pre-COVID, we were still doing the Facebook Live show on the sideline for 10 minutes, and I had my suit on with nice shoes, which I regret, and and then I had I had long underwear on and I had a coat and I had gloves and I had a, a knit cap and we were out there for ten minutes and I couldn't feel any part of my body when I was done, including my hands, which were yeah. in gloves. Oh, but that's so but that's cold. good though, right? Because you woke up a little bit sore 
today, but the cold actually helps you. So I'm assuming you didn't necessarily wake up That's with right, a sore shoulder or a sore what? Well, sore that, that wrist. was also what three years yeah. ago, and I'm three years <laughs> older, which also does not help the process. He's got but. those gaming thumbs. That's what happens, you know, Felipe. You do all this gaming right now. By the time you you know get it to an advanced age, you know those thumbs they're going to be killing you. It's to like Darren's good. credit, he honestly hasn't even aged in like ten years. So I appreciate still, that. You know. Uh, it's not true, but I appreciate that. Yeah. So, that you know, the worst is when you're on the sideline in those cold games. It's when I hear Passion Wolf whine from the climate-controlled booth that it's the cold because the open. window is open. I, you know. they, they think that's cold. I'm like, why don't you guys come down here to the sideline where I try and get, like, in front of one of the heaters, and the players love to stiff-arm you out of the way. They go Derrick Henry, and they stiff-arm you away. They're like, no, 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 you, you're on the outside looking in. Do you stiff-arm stiff them back? No, I just wait till they go to the <laughs> I go to the other side of the sideline and where they're not uh, currently, uh, you know, uh, collected. I'll, I'll go use one of those uh, heaters. But you got to be careful if you're standing next to a heater watching the game. It will catch your pants on fire. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you that right are now. Real deals. Yeah, it's no doubt. So, uh, what else are we looking at here in terms of uh, Zach Ertz? Did they just get him involved because you know they went to the Houston Texans and okay, and here's his intro game and. As Jordan Hicks said, he wanted to prove his worth to his team. Or is this going to be a consistent threat, a productive weapon week in and week out? Who says what on that? I mean, I don't – I mean, he only had three catches. It's yeah. not like they threw to him 40 times. And, you know, he broke one. But I, I think that's that's kind of what Max Williams was. Now, I think Ertz is a little bit more of a runner than – you know, Max Williams is give him an inside handoff. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they are a little bit different players, but I mean, yeah, I think you have a chance to get three or four or five catches for him every game, somewhere between 50 and 80 yards, maybe a touchdown. And that's going to be part of it. And I absolutely think there's going to be options there, especially if teams are going to look other places. And it just, you know, I was talking to one of my air four uh, uh, Packers, uh, cover the guys that cover the team. One of my friends, uh, I did a team to team with him this week, and you know, he basically said like the weapons for the Cardinals are. I mean, you 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 see it all the time, and you kind of know. But when you when you get that other perspective, it's like exactly you know exactly what is this Packers defense going to be able to do and cover all these guys with Ertz and Kirk and Hopkins and Green mm -hmm. and Edmonds out of the backfield. I mean, it's and Rondale Moore. I mean, it's. It's not simple, especially for a Packers team that's beat up in the secondary and possibly has some questions in the first place. Did I bring up the Chris Carter comparison to wide receiver rooms on Cardinals Underground last week? I, you know, when I'm carrying Wolf on Big Red Rage, I can't remember if I brought it up with you guys or not, but on NFL Network, Chris Carter, Hall of Fame receiver, said that ideally the best wide receiver rooms are constructed like an NBA lineup. You have a big man, you have a point guard, you have a wing, you have a shooting guard. All different sorts you did not bring that up. That's of very... receivers. And and I knew that would get your attention, Darren. Of course. And I think that – and as soon as he said that, I go, I'm trying not to be a homer, but how can you not think mm -hmm. of the Arizona Cardinals with four or five different receiving options, all different skill sets, sizes? You know, I mean, think about it, whether it's A.J. Green, the big man, or DeAndre Hopkins, sort of the scoring wing – whether it's Rondell Moore, your point guard, Allen Iverson type, you know, Christian <laughs> Kirk could be like, I don't know, a Steph Curry of sorts. And then you got a Shoot Max a. Williams is a power forward. Max Williams is Zach Ertz is a power forward. I mean, think about that and how the Cardinals 
receiving options for Kyler Murray do equate in a lot of ways to a basketball lineup. And the best part is if you went to them and explained that to them, they'd say, yes, let's go to the basketball court. We're <laughs> right. also a great basketball oh, team. But yeah. I think DeAndre Hopkins were, would say he's like the what LeBron James of the group since he played mm-hmm. in college. He played yeah. at, at Clemson yeah. and whatnot. That's a safe assumption. Well, he's also a three-time All-Pro, and so – <laughs> I think I, I think that's a fair point too. I think you saw the benefit of having Zach Ertz in your lineup when they were in the red zone that Hopkins that Hopkins touchdown right because I mean you have you're at the t- two yard line one. or the one yard line one. you you know it's a play action oh, you give a, a fake handoff to James Conner the whole defensive line bites then the two safeties bite on Zach Ertz who was running behind the line of scrimmage and then DeAndre Hopkins just slides in you know, for a, a oh. one-yard touchdown. I think that's a perfect example of yes. how you're going to utilize Ertz because, I mean, the whole world thought you were going to go to Ertz at that point. I thought you were going to go to Ertz just because, you know, all this hype around him. It's his first game. You're trying to get him involved and whatnot. But just the versatility that this offense has now. I mean, when you're in the red zone and you're a linebacker or a safety or whoever on that defense, who are who's your focus on? Yeah, that's a good I mean, point. Kyler Murray is still – at some point in the next, what, 10 weeks, you're going to see a Kyler Murray, you know, read option touchdown at the two-yard line at some point because he's setting it all up. I mean, you saw the, again, the fake handoff to, to the play action with James Conner. It, was, it wasn't there. In a normal week, he's automatic, I would say, James Conner when he's at the one-yard line. You've, you've seen a couple of times where A.J. Green has one-on-one coverage on the right, and you go to him, and then now, now you, like, mix in Ertz and DeAndre Hopkins set that Shaquille O'Neal screen that kind of got him open. This offense has potential to be one of the best offenses in Arizona Cardinals history, and, yes, that's including that 2019. Uh, it's funny because when Kyler first showed up, Paul, mm-hmm. and – what what was and Cliff first showed up and everybody was wondering I'm like okay how consistent can they be in the red zone, and now Felipe breaks it down great. You you look at these pieces especially once they added James Conner. Mm-hmm. I mean this this uh, this idea that you could you can zone not zone read but almost play action to James Conner at the one or the two, which you absolutely have to deal with because he's he is automatic knowing the quarterback could pull it out and run around the end, or he could pull it out and throw it to one of these many. I mean, they're so much better in terms of the personnel they have in that red zone. It's it's hard to believe, and then you say the Packers usually don't stop anybody down there. No. That's, that's probably a bad combination for Green Bay. The uh, Cardinals were three for four in the red zone, and I think they're still top three in red zone touchdown percentage in the NFL. They have been all season long, so I don't see how they would have fallen out after a three for four performance against Houston. Yeah, uh, I completely agree on that front. I mean, it's uh, think I think of week two, 2019, at Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. And I think it was 82 field goals. It was three <laughs> times inside the five. Yeah. Inside the five, three different times, and they settled for three field goals. And I cannot tell you, I can tell you now, I cannot tell you how frustrated the offensive line was. A.Q. Shipley and company are like, no, we need to come off the ball and straight ahead. Let's just win in the trenches instead of spreading it out and getting creative in a compressed area. So, yes, you could argue that's the biggest evolution of this offense in the two-plus years under Cliff Kingsbury. Absolutely. And you know what? I did ask him on his TV show this week about how much better they are in the red zone, and he sort of smiled. And he said, well, we do have a lot better weapons 
and so he credited Steve Kime in the addition. There's no doubt. I, I think you have to play to your talent. You ha- you have better weapons, absolutely, from 2019. But you know, it's an evolution for yep. Cliff too. It's and a there's mindset. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying the coach got better. Yep. Over a couple, yep. you hope the coach well, gets better. Yeah. And. and <laughs> He's been humble from day one. Yes. He's admitted from day one that he doesn't know everything about the NFL. He came in asking questions of all the veterans. Any smart person – I always tell the kids, okay, get ready for some poly philosophy. (laughs) The dumbest people in the world are those who think they know everything. And the smartest people are those who realize we know a fraction of what there is to know. And and, and so when you come into a new setting where you've never coached – now, he obviously was a backup quarterback for a number of years. He wasn't completely new to the NFL, but – any smart person comes into a new environment, new in job, mm-hmm. and they try and absorb from those around them, those who have done it the longest. Sounds like me on this podcast. <laughs> there you go. You know, coming <laughs> to go. this podcast, I was, uh, you know, a little quiet. Then I got the pep talk from Darren Irvin. <laughs> and then I'm a little bit more comfortable in week seven. You know, Cliff and I, you know, we got the same swag. You wow. know, we're both Whoa. pretty thin. Okay, we're now. handsome men. Okay. And we wow. want to learn, and wow. we ask a bunch of questions. Going strong I with see. it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Either similarities. I've seen pictures of Cliff's girlfriends. I haven't seen any pictures oh. of your girlfriends. Oh, hello. Okay, that's okay. something yeah. I do not want to compare. <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know. The Only one of the two of you seems to have the uh, raging ego. <laughs> that's all I'll say on that one. So the comparison can't go too far. How about some bonus coverage here at the very end of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. For those who have stuck around other than Craig Grillo, here's, here's what we need to throw out there. That if you were wondering, if you were wondering what was up with Danny Amendola in that game. Oh, I was wondering about that. Okay. And and you know what, people, when you hear Paul tell this story, you're going to appreciate the fact you stuck around. Because we were joking, like, you know, there's that old famous uh quote, somebody was getting roughed up all the time and uh, no, who was it? It was um it was I think it was Chase Edmonds' rookie year and he was getting absolutely killed by this defensive end not just like a pass rush like the guy wanted to ki- and they came to the sideline and one of the coaches looked chase edmonds in the eye and he said what just say something about his mama like why is he just taking it out on you snap after snap right and so that's what i was wondering i'm watching danny amandola i said he say someone about somebody's mama on the cardinals defense well it turns out that the two of them that that he got into it with isaiah simmons before the game a good hour before the game, we're doing the pregame show from the booth, and Eagle Eye Jim Omohundro, the best producer in the NFL, he notices down on the field, wait a minute, there's a tussle. They're a rooting and a tooting down there, womping and a stomping almost. You got Isaiah Simmons and Danny Amendola, and it turns out, I asked, and this is on the record, it was over the air, I asked Isaiah Simmons after the game. He had no problem answering the question. He said, yeah, in our opinion, Danny Amendola was in the wrong. He was on our 20-yard line on our side of the field, fielding punts. And we said, man, you got a lot of yardage on your side of the 50. Go over there. And Amadol was like, no. And so then all of a sudden, things were getting a little heated. And there were no officials on the field. And Andy Lee, who was in full uniform, the Cardinals punter, came over and separated him. Like he was a fight referee, and he's, he's separating him. He's like, no, 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 come on, guys. And then some other people intervened, and there you go. But then once the game started, you saw Isaiah Simmons, a little something extra, extra on Danny Amendola, and then Byron Murphy obviously got flagged up. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it's nice to know that, uh, that, that Byron had Isaiah's back, although you'd rather not have that. Paul, I just want to add that one of our videographers, Jesse Aranda, during the – like the beginning of the game, he actually texted me, and everything's starting to make sense right now. Okay. He actually texted our like social chat, our content uh, crew, 
He said, Simmons wants a fight. That's exactly what he said. Whoa. Okay, he didn't name names or anything. That's it. That's no, that was all it. he said was Simmons wants, wants a, a fight. fight. So like obviously he was just that heated. He was, but at the and, and, and look, he played inspired football. He's the Cardinals leading tackler again. And I said this this to him in our post game interview. I said, Ron Wolfley paid you maybe the ultimate compliment in the Wolfley lexicon. And it went something like this <laughs> during the course of the game. Wolf said, and I quote loosely, Isaiah Simmons won't just put his face in the fan, he is the fan. And Isaiah Simmons actually gave a thoughtful answer and said, you know what, I didn't play a whole bunch of inside linebacker at Clemson. I played a little bit, but I played a little bit of everything. Yeah. And he said, it's important to me that I prove I belong when it comes to the physicality of inside linebacker. And I thought that was insightful. I, I, I got to be honest, I wasn't – you know, when he was a rookie, we didn't get to talk to him a whole lot. They didn't bring – obviously, they had to bring him out for the media all last year. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to really – I mean, I think he only talked two or three times. It was always over Zoom, so you don't get to know him at all. Wasn't playing much. Wasn't sure how to take him, but every time he's talked, and he's talked quite a bit this year because he's a more important player, and I, I think he's really thoughtful. He's yep. a smart guy. Yep. Uh, I've talked to him one-on-one uh, -on -one a few times, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I think he gets it. I think he is absolutely smart enough to handle all these different positions. I love the fact that he's physical. He's so damn fast. When they're running some plays on the on the perimeter, and and we've joked about it in the past, but Daryl Washington and trying to find that other Daryl Washington, mm -hmm. and that's what they were hoping Hassan Reddick was going to be, and that obviously didn't work out. Isaiah Simmons is that guy, the guy who can go 53 and a third yards sideline to sideline in a blink of an eye, and it's just impressive. So we'll wrap it up uh, with that stat once again. Everybody now that Aaron Rodgers in his last six games without Devontae Adams, what's his record, Felipe? 6-0. and Yeah, and what's the touchdown to interception ratio? 16 to nothing? Uh, yeah, something like that. 17 to 1. Oh, 17 Thanks for one. paying attention to your own podcast, guys. Appreciate Dude, it. Dude, that was like an hour. Exactly. That was at the very fact, beginning of the podcast. That's right. I'm the one with the 0 and 1 mentality. I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have the quote at my disposal earlier, so I'm going to this is my walk-off comment. I'm quoting Aaron Rodgers because since it's a road game, yeah. The Cardinals might have the advantage because he has to sleep in a hotel bed. Oh, that's true. And here's the quote, quoting Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you guys know this or don't know this, but there's an antiquated procedural thing in our league where the most important night of sleep, we stay at a hotel, he said with a smirk. And I don't want to blame it on the hotel. It's a nice hotel. But my bed at the house that I sleep in every other night of my time here in Green Bay would probably be a little bit of a better option. I think that's just my opinion. And snark, Aaron Rodgers. And that'll do it. Until game time Thursday night for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.